listening to Shift, the Lakeland Chamber of Commerce podcast. As the catalyst for business success, convener of leaders and influencers, and champion for our thriving community, the Lakeland Chamber will bring you weekly conversations with those working to secure Lakeland's future. Here's your host, Lakeland Chamber President and CEO, Corey Skates. Hi, and welcome to Shift. My name is Corey Skates. I'm the President and CEO of the Lakeland Chamber of Commerce, and I am here today with Amanda Walls, Senior Attorney with Peterson and Myers, Adil Khan, CEO of Lakeland Surgical and Diagnostic Center, and Derek Oxford, a Certified Financial Planner with CPS Investment Advisors. How is everyone today? Doing great, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, wonderful. All right. As I know, you and our listeners are well aware, we are currently confronting a pandemic known as COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. So we wanted to have a conversation today where we could talk about things from the financial, HR, and also medical angles as it relates to that. So we're going to jump right into some questions and ladies first. We're going to head straight to Amanda Walls for a question from an HR perspective. Should my business close or move to remote work arrangements? Well, that is a question that a lot of employers are calling me with right now. I will say that for the most part, employers should really follow CDC guidelines. And there are some excellent resources available from both the federal and state government right now for helping businesses to make that determination. Um, As a general rule, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, which we call OSHA, has a requirement that requires all employers to provide a safe workplace for their workers. That means you need to protect workers from known safety risks and take reasonable steps to do so. So if you are the type of workforce or workplace that can allow for remote work and you have 10 or more people in your facility, it's probably a good idea to consider work from home or remote work options. Now, obviously, that's not going to be possible for a lot of businesses in our community. If you're a healthcare worker, if you're a first responder, if you're essential city services, if you're in the supply chain or manufacturing environments where remote work is not possible, you can't obviously shut down. So for those types of businesses, we're encouraging to just follow CDC guidelines. If you're sick, stay home. If you're not sick, you can come to work. If you practice appropriate social distancing and hand washing and other recommendations. Yeah, we're right on that line at 10 at the chamber. So we've been taking precautions and we actually have a disease plan in the documents that we put together this year for our accreditation and we actually found out pandemic is part of that disaster plan so we've been following that as much as we can but also trying to be here to serve our businesses the best way we can going forward so we'll move to Adil now and ask you a question what would your advice be for businesses as they're trying to deal with COVID-19 well just like Amanda mentioned that we have to businesses have to look at how they can keep their employees safe that's their number one goal employee safety and then their customer safety so if that means that that employer or that business has to restrict access to their facility for example from the public or they need to have some of their employees work remotely or some other type of adjustments, those are the type of steps they need to put into place. They also need to be much more cognizant of hygiene in their their business environment. So whether that's uh, more stations for hand washing or sanitizers or having somebody that's cleaning the facility on a much more frequent basis, these are all steps that businesses can take. And again, the true golden rule is to follow the CDC guidelines, which are well published and that all businesses should be able to access. That's great advice. 
Derek, I know people have been looking at their 401ks or shouldn't be looking at their 401ks right now. That's right. Um, what type of advice do you have in terms of when's the right time to get back into the market to buy? Well, that's a great question and one that I get quite often, and some from current clients and some from prospects. Trying the time the market is about as good as flipping a coin. Your odds are slightly better than going to Vegas. <laughs> if you were already in the market, you shouldn't have gotten out. Mm -hmm. You should have stayed the course, dug your feet into the sand, and hunkered down for it to come back. And it will come back. 70% of the time the market's up, 20 to 25% of the time the market's down. So the odds are better in your favor to stay in. Okay, that's good advice. That's what I've been doing. I just say, don't look. Don't look. That's right. It's all going to come back. I promise it's going to be good. So, well, moving back to Amanda, I have some more HR related questions for you. Uh, what can I say to my employees? I mean, can I send sick workers home? Can I ask them if they have COVID-19? Can I require a doctor's note for them to come back to work? What type of things can I do that, as an employer? That's a big question. <laughs> I will say, um, I think employers have a huge role to play in helping to dispel myths and to control rumors and to educate the public about what is the appropriate response to COVID-19. So from a, a broad standpoint, it would be wise of employers to have a general communication plan in place and be communicating what is our response and what is an appropriate response. In terms of those specific questions that will arise on an individual basis with employees, um, can you ask somebody if they have COVID-19? Absolutely not. That would be a violation of um, the ADA and privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody who shows up in your workplace who's exhibiting symptoms, you can certainly require them to go Go home right. and work from home or take sick time, paid sick time, until they are symptom free and not return to work. We're having a lot of questions. What if I think I've been exposed, but I don't have any symptoms? That would be the same answer. Ask mm -hmm. them to work from home, pay them to work from home, pay mm -hmm. them for sick leave if they can't work from home for the self-quarantine period of 14 days. Um, another question we're getting a lot of is if my people have been sick and want to return to work, can I require a doctor's note for that? The answer to that is also no. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, it would generally be a violation of the ADA also to require a doctor's note to return to work. Mm -hmm. And also the CDC is recommending at this point that we not require people to have a note to return to work because that could potentially overwhelm the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And um, physicians' offices don't want employees coming in just to get a doctor's release to return to work. They don't, right. they don't want that in their offices right now. So. Right. That's all good advice. Adil, social distancing has become a term that we're becoming more familiar with all the time. What can we do to, to enforce social distancing? I think in general, you know, we've gotten a lot of publicity about social distancing and people are starting to, to take heed of that. There are There's some validity to why that is necessary. First of all, this is a disease that spread, is very contagious, that spreads by droplets, which means that people in a very close proximity or touching of any type, if a person is, has the infection, can very easily spread it to another person who's very close to them. And it doesn't take a lot more than just casual contact, like a handshake or a hug. So it's very important to create that barrier, that six feet recommendation between individuals is a reasonable amount of distance that prevents or can reduce the chance of the disease going from one person to another. That's how it's going to spread now. Mm -hmm. 
is going to spread person to person through contact, mostly either contact casually, but per, the individuals touching each other, or touching a surface that then is now contaminated where the, the virus can last up to 24 hours on that surface, and then another person touches that surface. Okay, so stay away from each other at least six feet. Yeah, yeah. We, we should be hopefully okay. Well, we're all going to get through this together as a community. So, Derek, back to you to talk some more financial information as it relates to COVID-19. I'm in my 40s. Sure. So I contribute as much as I can, try to do the maximum to my 401k. Should I stop doing that now and do other things, or should I continue to contribute? If you're in your 40s and you've got another 10, 15, 20 years to work, I'm not sure of your specific <laughs> idea of when you plan you to, to retire. Work forever, yeah. Right, absolutely. <laughs> then uh, by no means should you stop saving to your 401k or, or your retirement plan, whatever you might have at your workspace. Putting money in regardless is going to save you taxes. Mm -hmm. It's going to save you from paying income tax next year. So you want to continue to do that. You get an immediate return when you do that based on the effective rate that you're paying right. at the end of the year. At the same time, you're buying a dip right now. Mm -hmm. Could it go lower? Absolutely. Could it get higher? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't know when the best or worst days are. So you want to continue to invest. You want to just set that autopilot on and can continue to do it, and you'll be better for it. Compounding, no matter how long we're talking about, is going to be beneficial to your 401k. Yeah, I can remember I had started work at the state right before 9-11, and I can remember getting into their investment plan. They had their standard you know, retirement plan. I'd moved everything into investments right after that had happened. We remember what happened with the market then, yes. and I've been able to ride it up, so now we're seeing a little bit of a blip. So I've, I learned a good lesson from that, so just don't look at it and just stay in and, and keep the course, I think, is probably the best course of action right now, at least for me personally still being in my 40s. Uh, but right. we have some other questions as it relates to that in just a couple minutes. But right now, we're going to take a break in our conversation so we can have another Investor Insight with Chamber Investor Consultant, Jazz Lyons. This is Jazz with the Lakeland Chamber of Commerce, and I'm going to talk in regard to some of our cost savings programs that we offer here. Just because you are a chamber member, I'm going to see if I can save you some monies. Um, Office Depot, they actually do a partnership with the Chamber of Commerce. We get from 20 to almost 55% off of everyday supplies such as pens, paper, sticky note, hand sanitizer, you name it. It's a great way for you to definitely make sure you're saving some dollars in your office when it comes to the operation side, but then also they give us different things such as 20% off of toners and printers, 10% off of, of course, everyday technology core items as well. So that's a great way to definitely save some dollars. We also have what is called Sprint Perk. It's actually a discount program that we have. So if you have a coworker, an employee, a good friend of yours that would definitely take advantage of this, this is where you're able to sign up one phone line for only $70. You actually come in the store with your corporate ID in which we provide to you via email. And from there, they'll take care of the rest for you. We have Legal Shield as well. It offers 24 hours of legal protection from protecting your patent 
or even your trademarks. So there's some great different offers that are included in that membership, as well as reviews of wills and other legal documents and much more. I do have a passcode, which I can send over to you, but then also we have our account manager, Bob Reed, that can definitely handle any questions or concerns. And lastly, I definitely wanna talk about our latest cost savings program, which is with the ledger. So if you actually join the chamber of the year 2020, we actually give out a package deal that is up to $2,000 worth of value. So you get a free quarter page ad in the ledger, a homepage takeover on the ledger.com, a free press release with photos in poke voice and 50% off of any upcoming events, whether it's a booth or a sponsorship. So I definitely get in contact with our two managers over those package deals in which we definitely want to make sure we advertise you in the Lakeland community. If you guys have any questions about these benefits, definitely reach me at 863-688-8551 extension 236 or at my email at jlyons at lakelandchamber.com. All right, we are back with our guests, Amanda Wall, Senior Attorney with Peterson and Myers, Adele Kahn, CEO of Lakeland Surgical and Diagnostic Center, and Derek Oxford, a Certified Financial Planner with CPS Investment Advisors. So back to Amanda, to more of the HR stuff, which we've been having a lot of fun with this morning. What should I do if a worker is exposed or diagnosed? So my recommendation for that is to the extent possible, you allow the individual to work from home Mm -hmm. if they are able to. That prevents uh, spread in your workplace and allows for wage continuation as well for the affected individual. If remote work is not possible, and I understand remote work comes with a unique set of challenges that a lot of employers are just not prepared Mm -hmm. to handle. You might not have appropriate access to equipment that you need or servers. You might not have appropriate data security measures in place to allow for remote work. In those circumstances, I am recommending that the individual be paid to stay home. We are anticipating that there's going to be a relief bill passed by Congress very Mm -hmm. shortly. The House has already passed a bill. It's going to be taken up by the Senate likely today and probably going to be signed by the president by the end of the week. That relief bill should allow for some tax credit. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's going to be for employers between the size of 50 and 500 for two weeks of full paid leave and 60-ish, 66%, maybe Mm -hmm. two-thirds percent of wages up to a certain cap for up to three months of FMLA-related leave for employees. So that tax credit's going to come to employers in the form of a payroll tax credit, and if that tax credit exceeds the total tax bill, then it'll be an additional business credit for employers. So I I don't think employers should be afraid of allowing employees to take paid leave because Mm -hmm. at least between the size of 50 and 500, I think there's going to be some relief for employers on that front. Okay, is that that Families First Coronavirus Relief Act? That is what it is being called. That, okay. That's correct. Gotcha. So that's what you should be looking out for. Be looking wise. for. Yeah. And we are additionally really recommending that employers, any employer that's got an absence related to COVID-19 at this point, either because 
they have the virus, mm-hmm. they think they've been exposed to the virus, or because they have to stay home to take care of children who are out of school mm-hmm. because of the virus. Start tracking those absences separately right now in anticipation of these tax credits that are coming because we don't know what it is going to be yet, but it can be anticipated that the federal government's going to require some sort of proof that these absences were COVID-19 related in order to avail yourselves of the tax credits that will be available. Gotcha. All right, Adil. So what would your advice be for businesses as they're trying to deal with COVID-19? Anything specific that we should be doing? I think that uh, the prudent thing for businesses to do is to really watch out for their employees and their customers. Mm-hmm. That if they are in a high traffic type of business, that they need to be cognizant of reducing that traffic. If they're, you know, for example, we know some businesses can move to serving their customers at home, maybe do home delivery type of things, or that they can just somehow reduce that traffic and allow, again, to have the proper uh, hygiene type of protocols in place. At the same time, as Amanda had mentioned, you know, the biggest concern is really for the employees. Mm-hmm. And the business is successful because it takes good care of its employees. Mm-hmm. And therefore, looking at, again, remote access or some kind of, you know, social distancing within the facility. Maybe they have extra conference rooms and they can spread the staff out, right. things like that. But anything to keep people apart. And the goal here is to slow down this virus. Mm-hmm and the contagion. The issue is not that we are going to stop this. We're past that now mm-hmm. as a society. Probably 40 million, 50 million, 100 million people will eventually get contagion. The question is how fast that happens. Mm-hmm. If we can slow that down, our healthcare system can absorb it and we will be fine. If we don't slow it down by using these various methods, then our health system will be overwhelmed mm-hmm. and we run on the razor's edge of healthcare. of most hospital beds are always filled at all times. Mm -hmm. Most healthcare facilities are running at capacity. So to have a 10 or 15% surge overwhelms the system. Mm -hmm. We need to level that out. Yeah, and I've been encouraged by seeing people in the community doing the things that they're asked to do. So that's been encouraging. So hopefully everyone will hear your words on this podcast and further reinforce uh, what we've been talking about for a while with the social distancing and making sure if you're sick, stay home and stay away from other people as much as possible. All right, Derek, I know as a financial planner, this is not necessarily your area of expertise, but people are asking, is this a good time to refinance my mortgage? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. And you're right, it's not my normal day-to-day activity, but I do help a lot of clients with this, at least through the financial planning side. Mm -hmm. And I have been in talks with a lot of mortgage lenders and mortgage brokers to hear what they have to say about the whole situation. We've seen the Federal Reserve drop rates to near zero Mm -hmm. and how that affects interest rates in terms of your mortgage. Actually, the natural rate for mortgages went up right after the Fed dropped the rates to near zero. (laughs) That's an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because of demand. Right. Demand is so high for refinancing. If you haven't refinanced yet in the last few years, it still might be an opportunity for you to do so because rates are still historically low mm-hmm. compared to 10, 5 years ago. What we're going to see is a capitulation point where there's so much refinancing going on that these mortgage firms, these these lenders can't take that workload anymore. So we have to be cognizant of it, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, that it's still within your financial means to do so. It's creating some cash flow for you. 
If not, if you're just refinancing because two months ago you just did it and, oh, the rates are lower now, let me do it again, that's probably not the right financial move to make. <laughs> right. uh, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Good advice. All right, Amanda, going back to you now, is the government going to require me to pay people for leave? Well, that goes back to the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act that we were speaking about mm -hmm. just a few minutes ago. Um, it, it's pretty unclear still exactly what the requirements are going to be and what the relief is going to be coming out of that package. What the House has passed says that if you are between 50 and 500 employees, you are going to have to provide two weeks of fully paid leave for any virus-related absence, either because you're sick yourself, you have to self-quarantine, or you have to stay home to take care of somebody who um, has been impacted. That includes staying home to take care of kids whose school has been canceled. After that, there will be FMLA leave available. That would be up to three months worth, paid at two-thirds of the person's regular rate, regular wages, mm -hmm. uh, capped at certain amounts. I don't know those caps off the top of my head, but it's okay. a weekly cap amount. So yes, there will be, I think, a requirement for employers between 50 and 500 to provide paid leave. That will be subsidized through tax credits from the federal government. If you're under 50 employees, so far it doesn't look like there's going to be any requirement. If you're over 500 employees, so far looks like there won't be any requirement. And there has been a lot of criticism of the House version of the bill because of these you know, two apparent groups that are being left out of the Relief Act. Uh, I think a lot of employers over 500 already have the means and have benefits in place. It's mm -hmm. probably the thinking of the Congress that if you're working for a very, very large employer, you likely already have sufficient paid leave benefits available. Right. These small employers under 50, um, I know it leaves the employees somewhat feeling exposed, but mm -hmm. those are the smallest businesses that can't really sustain that kind of impact on their bottom line in terms of providing paid benefits. So right. it, will, it remains to be seen uh, what the Senate will pass, but I do think there's relief coming. It's just not going to benefit everyone. Okay. Well, we hope you're enjoying our conversation today regarding COVID-19. Just wanted our listeners to know that they do have an opportunity to advertise with us on the Shift podcast. Call the office at 863-688-8551 and speak to Brandy, our brand new communications and marketing director, and she will give you pricing as to 15 or 30 second spots or the opportunity to sponsor the entire podcast. So there's a great opportunity to be able to get your business some exposure on the Shift podcast. All right, we will now go back to Adele. Should we take some optimism from the promising reports out of China and South Korea as to reductions in new cases? That's what we've been hearing in the media lately. I think that uh, there is some optimism that the virus can be controlled because it's been shown in both China and in South Korea. In both cases, however, there was fairly high incident rates before that happened. Mm -hmm. Now, the other piece of it that we have to keep in mind is that the societal and governmental structure in both China and South Korea is a little different than what we have here in the United States. China, once, you know, they were in the stage of kind of denying this whole thing to be in the beginning, but once they kind of got on board, they went into a very, very authoritarian kind of crackdown in terms of shutting down mm -hmm. that whole Wuhan province and that whole area. Uh, South Korea did something very interesting. They started doing testing on 10,000 people a day. We haven't had 10,000 tests in the entire United States yeah. in the past two months. They were doing 10,000 a day. Now, that helped them identify people, isolate people, and take very aggressive steps. They also had a very high level of social cooperation, meaning that the, the society in general understood what was going on 
and they reacted. The other piece that they had as an advantage was that they have a universal health care model. And that meant that people did not start thinking about, well, should I go to the emergency room? Maybe it's just a cough. If it's just a cough and I go to the emergency room, I'm going to get a $3,000 bill. Over there, they didn't have to worry about that. Everything was covered through the universal health model. So those were some of the advantages they had. We're about two weeks, maybe three weeks behind in terms of the incident rate here in the United States, but we're probably about a month or six weeks behind when it comes to our reaction mm-hmm. from a governmental level or as a societal level. So that's the po- the positive is, yes, it can be contained. The negative side, the realistic side, is that if we don't get our act together quickly, mm-hmm. it's going to spread faster than we can handle. Are you hearing that the test kits are, are coming more so now? than? So the problem is that here in Polk County, mm-hmm. uh, several of our hospitals do not have test kits. Mm-hmm. And so that is a problem. Now, you get to a point where you say, well, what difference does it make anymore? When it's spread enough that basically you treat everybody like they have it, mm-hmm. you don't need to test, you don't really need to confirm it anymore. You just go into this kind of crackdown mode that anybody that shows, has a fever, anybody that has a cough or respiratory issues, hey, we're going we're gonna to assume you have it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, that's a different approach. And so there's some debate now whether or not, you know, the test kits were more important two weeks ago. Right. They become less important as we get further into this issue. Gotcha. Okay. Derek, talking about retirement again? Because I think I'd like to be thinking about retirement at some point. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) So for those that are close to retirement or in retirement, what advice would you have for those individuals right now? So I'll answer your first question first, which is for those close to retirement. Uh, If you're close to retirement, Yes, this is a a critical time for you and an unfortunate situation that we're in where we're in this dip in the market. But, but, uh, you know, fear not. If you meet with a financial planner who can look at your situation and help you determine when the right time is to retire, is it the next three years, is it the next five years, whatever that is, sitting down with somebody is going to be beneficial to you no matter what. Now, if you're in retirement, you want to make sure that your cash flow is appropriate. You're probably on a fixed income schedule somehow, whether it be Social Security or some sort of a pension or a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that your expenses are within that fixed income that you're receiving. And if you're taking money out of your retirement pile that you've saved up your entire life and the markets are down, ensure that you've got cash on the sidelines to maybe pull from instead of selling something when the market is low. Right. Okay. Good advice. All right. Amanda, back to you once again on some HR issues. So what do I do if an employee who cannot work remotely refuses to come to work? Anything I can do to force them to come in? This is a very, very challenging question. You know, for the most part, employers still have to operate and are still entitled to require employees to fulfill their job expectations, the Mm -hmm. expectations of the job. Um, If an employer has taken all of the steps that it feels are reasonable in order to make the workplace safe, to allow as much remote work as possible, employers certainly entitled to say, we need you to come to work. And mm-hmm. if you if you don't, there will be consequences. Now, I don't think I like the optics of firing somebody right. that refuses to come to work because they are fearful 
of COVID-19. So I would encourage employers to do everything within their power to persuade that individual to come to work, Mm -hmm. make them feel safe, make them feel important, help them understand why the workplace is not shutting down. If it's a supply chain provider, if it's a first responder, if it's a healthcare facility, I think uh, cooler heads will prevail. Um, if If the individual becomes obstinate, I might consider an unpaid leave option so that they can return to work when they do feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um, and not lose their job as a result of it, rather than going for the paid leave that we were talking about earlier, which should be reserved for those who need it because they've been exposed to have symptoms or have to take care of a child. So I I think I would consider an unpaid leave option until the individual feels capable to return to work. But you don't necessarily have to guarantee that that position is held open for them. Right. Yeah. Just so you know, we're not forcing anybody at the chamber to come in if they're not feeling well, we do have remote work options here, and we've told them if you don't feel well, if you're concerned, if you have a family member that you're concerned about, please stay home. We'll make sure you're taken care of. Your job will be here when you get back because we've got a great staff, so we don't want to lose any of them for any reason. All right, back to you, Adil. What are we looking at in terms of treatment options that are available right now for COVID-19? Is there a vaccine on the horizon? Any shots, any pills that we'll be able to take to be able to fight this off going forward? Yeah, that's a good question there, Corey. So um, basically, there are really no known treatment options for this disease. The biggest method is if somebody's got mild symptoms is to self-quarantine, you know, the the chicken soup and rest and fluids and that kind of thing, and try not to expose anybody else in your family or household or friends or anything like that. For those patients, unfortunately, that about 15%, 80% of the people have very mild symptoms, recover well. About 15% of the folks require hospitalization. For them, they may often require even ventilators. So about 5% of the patients are finding that they're having such severe respiratory issues that they end up being in the ICU, Mm -hmm. and they require ventilation of that and uh, other um, kind of rescue methods. Aside from that, there's really nothing out there yet. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's some research being done to find effective treatment plans or using some experimental medications that worked for, I think, uh, some of the rheumatoid arthritis and immunosuppressant type of issues, but um, nothing has been documented yet. There is also pipeline work for vaccination. They're Mm -hmm. doing, already started some uh, human trials. But that's probably a year, year and a half out before yeah. anything comes out. The big, the other thing that people say is, hey, why is this any different than the regular flu? Right. right? Well, the, in the regular flu, 70, 80 percent of the population get the flu shot now. I mean, that's been kind of built into our minds the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Get your flu shot every year. You know, there's always the, the anti-vaxxers out there and they represent the 20 percent or whatever it is. But they get protected by the 80 percent that get the flu shot. Right. And so those are natural barriers. So when mm-hmm. the flu kind of moves through society, it gets blocked at every time it hits one of these people that got vaccinated. In this case, there's no blocks. Right. And so it's just wide open field. So the the running backs got the ball at the one yard line and the entire defense sat down, you know, <laughs> and that's what we're looking at here. So we've got to um, do all the uh, what seems like, you know, the mm-hmm. the old the old stories of how to be safe. Right. Hand wash, good hygiene. Right. 
All those and things we should be doing all the time. Anyway. We should have been doing right. all the time anyways, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's I amazing have, how many people will wash their hands before having a meal now. Yes, I know, <laughs> which is good. Good. And I appreciate the sports analogy because I do yeah. miss sports right now. There's one thing I am certainly <laughs> yes. missing. I can only watch so many cornhole competitions on television <laughs> or, or whatever's still going on out there. So, yeah. Derek, we have uh, one more question for you. The president keeps talking about the overall strength, the underlying strength of our economy, and that we are primed for a comeback once we get past COVID-19. Do you agree with these sentiments? I do. Historically speaking, when you're looking at other pandemics that have happened, because we have had many over the last few decades, that the economy always does come back. It may come back in a different way or in a different trajectory, but it does come back. The markets do well. As Dr. Khan said, we don't know how long it's going to take for this containment to happen. And when we can all go back to the type of lifestyle that we've anticipated uh, is going to happen soon, we don't know that. So once that all starts to happen, you'll start to see a recovery in the economy. Mm -hmm. And it may be longer than what we expected, or it may be shorter. There's no way to tell. So just uh, keeping everybody safe, keeping them clean and healthy Mm -hmm. is the best way to get past it. Absolutely. So that's good advice. We also wanted to take this opportunity to inform you about resources that are now available for businesses that have been impacted by COVID-19. The Florida Small Business Emergency Bridge Loan Program is now taking applications for relief. Visit floridadisasterloan.org for more information. The Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, DEO, is currently surveying businesses throughout the state of Florida who've been impacted by COVID-19. Businesses and nonprofits can access the Business Damage Assessment Survey and select COVID-19 from the drop-down menu on the survey page. Reemployment assistance information is also available at the DEO website, which is floridajobs.org. The SBA is also providing disaster assistance loans for small businesses impacted by COVID-19. You can learn more by visiting sba.gov. And finally, all of this information can be found on the Chamber's website at lakelandchamber.com. Simply click on the COVID-19 resource tab at the top of the page. So does anyone on our panel have anything else they want to add today, just in terms of their support of small business, what we can be doing out there right now in these difficult times? I would just say that everybody be calm. Don't panic. Follow guidelines from our our scientists and our doctors and experts. And this will pass, as as Derek said. This will pass. We will recover. may take some time. But panic will be our worst enemy in this. And I appreciate the Chamber's efforts to Mm -hmm. come up with creative ideas to support and patronize our investors during this time. Mm -hmm. I'm working downtown myself today and made a point to make sure that I buy both my breakfast and my coffee and my lunch from a local Chamber investor business. Uh, Carry out, of course, Mm -hmm. back to my office where nobody is within six feet of me. But uh, (laughs) make sure that I'm supporting those local businesses in the ways that are appropriate and we do and we do have a link on our website for chamber investor restaurants Mm -hmm. that are offering carry out take out all those different options so all you have to do is go on there and click the link and it'll take you right where you need to be Mm -hmm. to be able to order take out or carry out derek anything any closing words of wisdom i agree with what you're saying Corey. make sure that you utilize the chamber's resources to find out what businesses are available find out what you can still do to live somewhat of a of a normal lifestyle Mm -hmm. and if you are a business and you aren't a member 
contact somebody at the chamber to get involved and see if you can utilize their services. It's a great opportunity, especially during this time. Yeah, and we want everybody to know that the chamber is here to assist your business, so give us a call at 863-688-8551 if there's anything we can do to support your business, get you contacts, get you information about all these links to resources that are now available. This is a time when people who thought, what does the chamber do for me? Why should I be a member? This is the time they need to reassess that and say, I need to be a member because these are the resources that are going to help us through the tough times. We appreciate that. Thank you, Adele. And we want to thank our guests today, Amanda Walls, Senior Attorney with Peterson & Myers, Adele Kahn, CEO of Lakeland Surgical and Diagnostic Center, and Derek Oxford, a Certified Financial Planner with CPS Investment Advisors. Please join us next week for another episode of SHIFT. Thank you for listening to Shift, the Lakeland Chamber of Commerce podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. For past episodes of Shift and additional information about what's happening in our business community, visit us at lakelandchamber.com.